The air is still intense in this particular grove on this particular day. There must be thousands of them here, packed in tight. The fading lavender sunlight draws the shadows of the trees long over the ground and gives a yellowish hue to the sides of the tight, drawn faces. The glinting pink light from the tusks protruding from the lower jaws of most of the attendees. Before the mass is a small, elongated rectangle made of dried sticks and wood. Atop it is the body of an immense orc, its green skin drawn tight over the hulking muscles below. There are no movements below the golden fabric draped over the body, no motion of breath. The face is visible above the golden fleece. One fractured tusk remains below the closed eyes. The expression is almost peaceful, if not eerily still. Beyond the pyre, Raised about five feet above the ground is a hastily built wooden dais, starkly juxtaposed with an ornate podium that sits upon it. The sound of footsteps through the foliage can be heard as, as one orc in a shimmering, glamorous robe, with his chest bared below it, steps onto the stage and up to the pulpit, places his broad hands upon the edge and grips the podium tight as if to gather the strength of the gilded structure into himself. He casts his eyes about the crowd of his peers, his community, and takes a deep breath in before resting his eyes upon the remains of his friend, his champion. One of ours has fallen. And today, we grieve this loss. We stand before the gods and impress upon Garumsh that our chief, in his day, has spilled enough blood, claimed enough lives and land, for the Donscar people, that he be given haven in Acheron, upon the infinite battlefield. If Gurumsh does not see fit to give him access, then we beseech Ilnaval, the war maker, to take our fallen into his fold. For his cunning will be the fabric from which many tale is woven. Those of us gathered here before you, O gods of our ancestors, ask you to take his essence and bestow upon him a place of honor. The long years of peace and prosperity in our clan should serve as enough confirmation for those who bear witness. But we, the Donscar people, have communed before you in solidarity to sway you yet further. Tarok the Blaze deserves your favor. 
Tarok the Blaze to Acheron to the infinite battlefield. Tarok the Blaze, the blaze to, to Acheron to the infinite battlefield. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons and & Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Well, hello there, listeners and creatures. Get ready for a very interesting adventure. A very interesting adventure in which we completely change up the format yet again here on Encounter <laughs> This. I am your co-host, Freeman Orcus Eisten, and the man responsible for this possible travesty, <laughs> but a, a very interesting travesty, no doubt, is of course my co-host, James Dorcas Kidd. And he's going to be taking us through, in this particular episode, the lore surrounding orcs in our very first episode for Orktober. James is also responsible for that pun. And uh, <laughs> send your hate mail to info at encounterthis.ca. He, he also came up with Haguary way back when. I think he came up with Fapril, too. I think he came up with all of them. <laughs> um, we have an upcoming one that you came up with that I'm really excited about. Do we? So. I don't even remember what it is. Uh, <laughs> Um, and, uh, we are going to be covering probably entirely too much information in this episode, and it is going to be coming from two different books, Monster Manual, page 244 and 245, as well as Voller's Guide to Monsters, page 82 to 91, nearly 10 pages worth there. And, uh, yeah, I'm super stoked because I have done almost zero research on orcs, or at least the last time I would have would have been... Oh man, like three or four years ago, and uh, so I, I, I'm as good as going in blind. So, <laughs> James, take it away. I guess I should start with an apology. This whole suite is just going to be a lot of me talking, pretty much at you, uh, as opposed to to you. The way we're going to break it down is we're going to do this episode, which is going to be all of the orc lore that I could need, and then we will do a separate. Uh, episode that's mainly stat blocks. So we're gonna we're gonna break them apart, kind of like we did for Knowles, I think. Mm -hmm. And this is a lot. Um, I I really had to cut these episodes down to size, and I didn't I didn't do a good job of that. <laughs> so <laughs> I missed something for sure. Uh, I'm gonna glaze by some stuff that people really want to hear about. And if you want to know more, our sources are Vola's Guide, the Monster Manual, the Forgotten Realms, Wikipedia, and that's about all that I could fit into this document. This is probably the most research I've ever done for an episode. <laughs> Aside Rakshasa, where I learned how to pronounce um, <laughs> Middle Eastern names. And, and even then. <laughs> even then. It was, uh, oof, that was a rough one. <laughs> it was so fun, though. It was so interesting. But, man, yeah. that was a tough one. Um, it was just like, just like the, was it Coatl? <laughs> just, just trying to, oof, yeah. trying to get our, our tongues around those. So white. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, and so Canadian. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked for this. Uh, I've you know, of course, uh, we both we both put a lot of effort in a couple of these suites. So it's it, I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty, pretty lovely to when it becomes not my turn. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe so. it. <laughs> so I am ready for the ride. Talk at me. I will try to leave my peanuts to the minimum from the comment gallery. But uh, yeah, bring it on. I think it's going to be really fun. So we are going to start with the D&D lore. That's most of what this episode's going to Oh my be. God, the format hasn't changed. Amazing. <laughs> I, I did my best to try and keep it together, but uh, we'll see how miserably I failed. So it's, it's probably worth I, mentioning right out of the gate now. Well, I say we're out of the gate. We're about five minutes in, but uh, uh, there's not going to be any stat blocks in this one. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Okay. That will be a whole separate episode. This one is totally lore-based. Which gives me one pause for concern. Where do we crack the beer? I have the ad break written. Perfect. Don't you worry. Okay. Cool. It's it's after the D and D lore. Yeah. I, I was just worried I'm going to do this one sober. That's all. <laughs> the problem is, is this is a six page document, and I think that's on page five. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Without further ado, D and D lore go. <laughs> According to Five E, orcs are also known as the Godsworn. They are, quote, savage raiders and pillagers with stooped postures, lower foreheads, and piggish faces with prominent lower canines that resemble tusks. Continuing on that quote, every soldier that lives through a fight with orcs tells of confronting a hulking foe that can cleave clear through a warrior with a single blow. Damn. I'm sure you guys all know what an orc is, so I'm not even gonna... Well, we'll... We'll get to that when we get to the orcs. Uh, they are gr- typically green-skinned humanoids, but they can be gray-skinned, blue-skinned, purple-skinned. They're, like there's, there's not really a whole lot of um, a rhyme or reason. Yeah, with that, it's probably worth mentioning that like this is going to be. It, uh, we, we've already stated this is a this is a big suite, and it's Orktober. Um, so we said when we were when we cover orcs, orcs alone are just not the only thing involved in this. There's, there's going to be so much more than just plain old orcs. Um, yeah, and it's, oh, it's I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't even tell you. So we'll start at the beginning. Uh, the orcs worship a god known as Groomsh One Eye, their creator, deity, and the mightiest warrior in their pantheon. In ancient times, when the gods divided the planet, Groomsh went to stake his claim upon the mountains, but he had found it had been claimed by dwarves. He then went to settle in the forest, but that too had been claimed by elves. Each place Groomsh went to settle had already been claimed, and the other gods laughed at him. So he responded with a bellow and took up his spear. He laid seed to the mountains and set the forests ablaze and carved great furrows in the fields and proclaimed that his kin would destroy and take from any race that would deny Groomsh and his orcs. During this battle, the elven god Corellan Larithian half-blinded Groomsh setting the foundation for the orc's particular vehemence for elves. Now it is said that Groomsh will bestow spectacular favor on any of his kind that willingly pluck out an eye in his honor. Ooh, that's heavy. (laughs) That is the creationist, uh, I want to say myth, but they believe it to be fact. Mm. I think, if I were to recall, the only time we've really touched on Groomsh was in Etten's, at least in any amount of detail. 
um, because yeah. it was there was a I can't re- quite recall the details, but there was a belief that you know Etans were essentially evolved from or created by Grumsh and, and or orcs and so on and so forth. Yeah, so Grumsh is known as the one-eyed god, and there is a picture of him from 3E where he kind of looks like a cyclops uh, holding a spear. That's the first photo I've got in the drive. Oh, yeah, yeah. The next photo is a an artistic rendering of Corellian. Uh, he's got his gilded elven male and a flowing blue cape, a very androgynous. Yeah. And that picture of Corellian is from deities and demigods, so it's from 2E. Okay. So orc society is... About as complicated as you think it's going to be, uh, as as humanoid creatures, they are known to be savage and fearless. And quote, theirs is a life that has no place for weakness, and every warrior must be strong enough to take what is needed by force. Which is, you know, um, <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> they are written to be naturally chaotic and act on their instincts rather than emotions most of the time. Mm-hmm. strength and power are the greatest of their virtues so orcs embrace all type of all types of mighty creatures but they are motivated by their hatred of the civilized races so mm-hmm. they're constantly in search of elves and dwarves and humans to destroy them because of uh, what they did to Grumsh in the uh, the division of lands right okay Though Vola's Guide to Monsters does walk this back a bit on page 86, and uh, they will kill anyone who presents a threat but are more interested in plunder, whereas previous to the release of Volos, they'll, they're just murder hobos. They will okay. They will end any lives they come across without second thought or, or anything. So Volos right. walked it back to only if they get in their way. Gotcha. Okay. With the exception being elves. They will stop what they're doing just to mess up an elf. Any day, anytime. Oh, damn. They are elf racists. Yeah. <laughs> they, elf racists. Not not cool, bro. Not cool. That being said, within their society, there is no concept of racial purity or anything like that. So they eagerly welcome trolls, ogres, half-orcs, urogs, and even some humans. Uh, and they, can, they, they tend to revere giants. Anything that's strong and powerful, they, they mm. will happily adopt into their tribe. Right. And when they do, they um, have no problem pairing or bonding with uh, these creatures. So they uh, they take no mates, and they take no pleasure in reproduction. It's just a mundane part of their life. But their goddess Luthic mm. uh, demands fertility, and they demand she, they procreate often and without discrimination. Okay, and Luthic. Are we gonna are we gonna get into Luthic later? Oh yeah, we are. Oh okay. yeah, cool. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna walk through the whole pantheon real quick. <laughs> oh baby. So this this um, demand to breed without discrimination uh, gives rise to many crossbreeds. Uh, when procreating with a non-orc of similar size, the resulting child is either a full orc or a half orc. There is no other combination of mm-hmm. of um, uh, genomes, I guess. Okay. Except when they mate with an ogre, in which case the offspring is a half-ogre, also known as an ogreon, which is just a fantastic word. Yeah. <laughs> also worth noting, ogreon is, is a double L where that Y sound is, which is sort of oh, like, yeah. It's a classic sort of French thing, if I recall correctly, and or Spanish, I'm not sure. One of those romantic languages. I know what happens in French a lot. Yeah. I actually don't know if that's the right way to pronounce it. That might be the one word in here that I didn't look up, but yeah. uh, I'm going to go with Ogreon. I'm happy with it. We, we both know a little bit of French, so <laughs> yeah. maybe we're a little bit biased. That's fine. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we, we spent some time on the East Coast, eh? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we can give them, a, at least uh, we can give them a little bit of a doubt, benefit of doubt here, because we give them so much fucking shit on the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we do tend to rip into them there, bud. <laughs> oh, yeah, bud. <laughs> uh, so at about four years old, orcs are considered juvenile, and by 12, they're considered an adult. Their average lifespan is up to about 25, but can be as old as 40. Okay, now do... Do you know if 40 is, like, the oldest they get before they die in combat, or do they... No, that's why the average lifespan is about 25. Right. 40 okay. is, like, they have been blessed with a long life and good health and okay. no diseases. Okay, and so that that is them deteriorating naturally at around the age of 40 and dying. Yeah. Okay. The, the oldest known orc, give or take, that we've, we've mm. Volo has come across was yeah. 40. Live fast, die young, I guess. That's actually exactly it. Uh, mm. Because of that kind of lifestyle, young orcs mature very quickly because mm. they need to in order to survive. Yeah. And the children that cannot keep up with the hard life are taken to, or, well, I guess they're, yeah, taken's the right word, for uh, one of the other gods in their pantheon, Utrus or Shargas. Uh, and then Utrus and Shargas will then accept or reject, and we'll get more into that when we, when we get into the, uh, the okay. pantheon. So as a society, they have a written language. Uh, sorry, they have a written and spoken language, but they're not what we would consider literate. They don't mm. keep records, and their signage is like hobo code. Like, it's very basic. It's just mm. uh, food, danger, uh, shelter, etc. Okay, cool. Um, is hobo an offensive word? Uh, it, I, th- I, think, I think it is depending on context, because I, it's, okay. I, 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 from what I recall, and I am no expert on the matter, um, there was a derogatory uh, level of using that word, but okay. originally, uh, hobo just meant like traveling worker, right? Like you were just, you just yeah. traveled and picked up jogs and, and then moved on. Um, and there was no real downside to that. And I, I, th- I, I might recall that it, it, it was a very common thing, especially in the um, uh, the Great Depression, right? But as with many things, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe a certain few individuals uh, sour the concept and the idea just because they happen to be a part of a, a certain community or group, and and then uh, those who uh, consider themselves better harp upon them and, and turn words such as hobo into something poor and derisive, right? Which just is not not necessarily true, but somehow sticks. So, well, the proper noun for this language is hobo code. Um, yeah, but we can call it transient dialect. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Trans- like transient pictographs. Um, <laughs> that's actually pretty. That's pretty decent. That's a good, really, real neutral term. It's really hard to be. Uh, oh, you speak transient dialect, you pleb. You know, <laughs> it just doesn't really. <laughs> can't really harp on someone for that. <laughs> I guess not. I like it. So the orc language is very similar to that. It's just pictographs representing um, a concept. Mm-hmm. And they do have a little bit of reverie for uh, three colors in particular. Uh, one is red ochre, and it means blood in their culture. The other is gray ash, which means death. And then charcoal black, which it means darkness. Orcs will paint themselves with these materials and these colors in different patterns, and that's one of the ways that they individualize themselves. And they can even get into fights about it. So, like, if a war chief dies his tusks red um, because, you know, he's slain so many people with his tusks, he can then forbid anybody else in his tribe to um, dye their tusks red. 
would the inverse be true too, where where someone would be like, "Nah, you haven't killed enough to die your, your tusks." So I Not challenge that to a war chief. But okay, well, fair. Enough. Like in inner inner tribe, yes, yeah, absolutely, okay. cool. That's that's pretty neat, actually. I wish there was a longer list, and that's that might be your that might be your creative hook there to create a longer list of those things. If you're if you're really writing to larger orc tribes and creating a setting and and campaign around that, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be really neat. Um, and again, I'm just kind of grazing through some of this stuff. Like, there's a lot. If you want to go into orc color theory, there's a lot you can pull from from other places. Like mm. Warhammer 40k is oh, uh, sure, is yeah. really big orc into color. Like. Orcs are some of the most um, powerful psionics in the galaxy. Like they paint their oh. trucks red because they go fast because red makes them go faster. No kidding. But they actually just believe so hard that painting them red goes faster that their psionic energy makes them go faster. <laughs> That's amazing. So they have yeah. this psionic energy that they but they don't really know They're how to use not it. Not smart but- enough to know how it works. So That's they just believe really like cool. they they embody the power of belief. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, you've talked a lot about like Warhammer lore and how just on the nose cheesy it is. Oh, dude, it's so bad. But <laughs> I love it. But, but every time you tell me one of, a part of it, I'm like, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, yeah. There's yeah. a reason I'm, I'm painting miniatures for yeah. the game. Like, yeah, it's great. It's so bad. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I love cheese like that. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's okay. good. So that was uh, their society paragraph. Now we're going to go into settlements. So, as I'm sure you picked up on, they gather in what are known as tribes. They then settle near other settlements like villages or cities or something like that, somewhere where they have access to um, raiding and pillaging. Mm -hmm. They prefer mountainous areas, uh, somewhere where they can put their backs up against a wall and maybe pen themselves in so they can have strategic use and build kind of a makeshift fortress. And within each camp, it is divided by the gods. So if you are a follower of Grumsh, Ilnaval, Bogtru or Luthic, you are given access to what are known as the best parts of the camp. Whereas if you are a follower of Yurtris or Shargas, you are kind of relegated to the outskirts or even underground. And it's um, it's not a it's not like a bad thing. Like they the like the followers of of Shargas kind of prefer to be underground anyways for okay. reasons which will become clearer. But each camp is divided upon those um, uh, deity lines. Gotcha. So they are a very, very pious uh, race, mm-hmm. uh, as written. Um, and I have sent you a picture of the orc strongholds, as is found in Vola's Guide to Monsters. They do a really cool breakdown of like what an orc camp looks like. Yeah, I've I've definitely seen this image before, and it is so cool. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a lot to take in, yeah. um, as all of the. Uh, all of the Volos ones are, but they're really neat. They're they're worth looking up. Cool, that's really cool. Is it fair to say that if they're if they're settling near other settlements simply for the purpose of plundering, does that make them nomadic? Would you say? I would say so. Um, it yeah yeah they they're mostly nomadic. They very rarely stay in the same place for so long, okay. um, but they have been known to stay in the same place for decades if they get like a sweet spot like. Right between, uh, like, next to a road between two cities where there's a lot of transport and trade. Right, yeah. Suddenly that, yeah, that road, that road that's dangerous to travel and has been for years, you know, is the result of a settlement that has not yet to be, you know, quashed and, and, and sorted out by the, the more, quote, civilized races, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
So they 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 rarely build permanent structures, but when they do build, it's it's really only for defense. Mm-hmm. And then they'll they'll raid the neighboring villages from this this stronghold. Yeah. And obviously, during those raids, they will slay any humanoids that stand against them. So there's a little bit of back and forth here from Bolos, but it's fine. Uh, after they plunder a society to oblivion, they uh, set fire to the remains of it to prevent resettlement. Hmm. Then they return to their stronghold and uh, go out in roving scouting parties to find a new place to uh, pillage, and then they'll pack up camp and, and move there. All right, then. There's a little bit here on a war wagon, which is a cart that's been stolen from human or dwarves and converted to orc use with uh, like orc talismans, skulls, blades, that kind of thing. Um, and the heavier of the war wagon, the better, and being forced to pull it is a mantle of honor. Because uh, it's what carries all of the spoils of war from any raid or pillage. Oh, yeah. Okay. And a lost war wagon is sometimes cause for revolt and even uh, revolution. Oh, crazy. That's wild. I, it almost makes sense in, in this weird way because you would think that that sort of task would be... Um, or it's almost slavery-esque, right? But might is yeah. so important and the strength to pull the plunder would be so important to the these this culture, eh? That's really yeah. really cool. Really cool. Yeah, the stronger, the better, the the, the more the higher rank you have in the society. So Yeah. And I like that surprise, surprise, they're mostly patriarchal. Unless <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're getting into getting into leadership, are we? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get into leadership. Well we're talking about strength and, and that mm. stuff. And that's how you become a war chief is to be the the strongest, be the the most brutal. And then you're usually given a theatrical title, uh, Many Arrows, Screaming Eye, Elf Ripper, or just a couple from the uh, the Monster Manual. Okay. And every now and again, an extra powerful war chief can unite multiple tribes into what is known as a horde. This horde can then be known to kill other orc tribes and other human settlements for their resources because it, it gets kind of out of control. Right. Snowballing, absorbing other, other orcs into the tribe or the horde at this point. Probably the definition of chaos at that point. Yeah. And to get to that point, it would be commanded by one of the most powerful war chiefs on mm. the continent. They are very, very smart. Their reign lasts as long as others will fear them. And every now and again, they will even be blessed by Groomsh, uh, finding their weapons cut deeper with his blessings. Ooh. Okay. So they have like an extra deific edge to what they're, yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. And because it's so far away, I'm going to let you in now because I expect you'll forget that that is mechanically reflected. Oh, is it? Okay, yep. cool. Oh, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I was so afraid that orcs were going to be boring, but they're so fucking awesome. Really? Oh, man, that's cool. Like, they're they're low-key for sure, but they're – like, all of this lore is just – it's all so fucking good. And it's why I had such a hard time breaking it out. I love that you, uh, you, I mean, you start this, this, this little section here with, uh, they're mostly patriarchal, which is, you know, a bit of a, bit of a trope at the end of the day. But I immediately just kind of shifted to the whole, the whole 300, uh, uh, graphic novel and film where it's like, and the, the, the Spartan esque, you know, strength aspect. And like the men did this, the women did that. But like the women weren't like, you know, at least in that representation, I won't pretend to be a historian on, on, uh, the Greek history and all that, but um, the you know the women were considered uh, 
to be quite strong and they had their place and they were super respected, you know? Uh, and, uh, and they yeah. were, they had the strength in a different, different, uh, variety and then were, were elevated as such, um, because of strengths in different, different areas and that sort of thing. It just, just reminds me of that in a little bit, even if it's not explicitly put in there, uh, maybe it should be, maybe it shouldn't, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, it makes me want to, you know, definitely, uh, push away from, uh, the, the majority is patriarchal, uh, as a descriptor. And just say, you know, strength in whatever form is 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 what is uh, considered to be the most important. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. The reason I included that is because that Volos includes it, and mm-hmm. it is my 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 issue with that line is that it exists. It is the mm-hmm. only thing in this entire research that I've done that distinguishes male from females. The right. only thing is that oh no, women can't lead. That's that's it. So right. I mean, there's there's some serious connotation and um, canonical issues with that because nothing else addresses gender or sex at all. Right. I mean, I mean, to be a slightly fair, or to be, to give a slight more benefit of the doubt, uh, it says most are patriarchal. Is that the direct line, or is it? You know, it doesn't explicitly say women can't. It's just that no, it, it definitely almost, doesn't. It's there's implicit that the, they rarely do. Yeah, the problem is that there's a rule, much less an exception to the rule. It's not. It's not. Not necessarily not problematic, but it's you know, it's not saying they can't. You know, well, it's, it, it is though. It absolutely mm-hmm. is that it is problematic. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just throw that in when you've got no other gender connotations within the society. I mean, yeah. No, I I agree. Like <laughs> like that can't your your only line discussing gender can't be most most times men lead. Mm-hmm. Like that's not. Like you, you, you fucking you, you took a swing you shouldn't have taken and you fucking whiffed it you whiffed it hard and I, I gotta call yeah. you out on that like yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna let that slide like there's no reason that sentence should exist hundred percent hundred percent like you could have just easily not said anything yeah. this is a topic we will be covering in October correct yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we'll we'll cover other problematic issues in yeah. in another episode but yeah. this this one here um. Thank you for pointing that out because mm. I was going to get to it. But yeah. th- this one here is is problematic for a completely different reason. And it's because it's the only line that references gender. Right. Uh, which is crazy. <laughs> what an oversight. But, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll be covering it down the line. So let's get let's get to the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, there is a little bit of magic in this culture. Not a lot, but... There are rumors that if you slay an elf and call out Grumsh's name and you offer the corpse up as a sacrifice, the god Grumsh might appear. And if he does, he will demand that you pull out your fucking eye. (laughs) If you then oblige, you could be given spellcasting abilities. And those orcs are then known as the eyes of Grumsh. They tend to advise war chiefs or throw themselves into the front ranks of a battle because they're fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> now, I got to say that so far, uh, you know, the real classic traditional sort of tropes have all rung a bell. I, but I don't think it's because I've, I've, uh, of me remembering what I've read about orcs. But um, it's just sort of, it's just sort of ingrained in you, especially when it comes to like Tolkien kind of stuff. And, uh, 
Uh, but so far, there's been a lot that I, I don't recall at all, and I'm so fascinated by. I'm really excited to hear about the Pantheon of Gods and sort of thing. I do recall this part, the eyes of Grumsh and the pulling in of the eye and, and the magic part, yeah. um, but I don't remember much about it. So I'm also pretty pumped to have that have that uh, re um, retold to me. <laughs> yeah, so they are actually a stat block in the monster manual right, as well. Yeah. They are the uh, they're one of the uh, orc mages, and I think if I'm remembering it correctly, the eyes of Groomsh are actually more clerical than they are mages. Okay, yeah, but we'll we'll get to that at a later date. We don't Sweet. we don't have time for that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also the fact that sometimes they just throw themselves in the front ranks of combat versus spellcasting. I remember specifically that that is also mechanically reflected. So mm, cool. You mentioned the Pantheon. You asked the questions, and 30 <laughs> minutes in, here we are. Let's do it. A little bit of primer. Orcs live in fear of their gods, and their society is entrenched in belief. They are a pious-as-fuck race. I, I think I've said that already this episode, but I want to reiterate it. Like, they don't, they don't believe that they're... Like, there's not an orc out there who doesn't believe their gods exist. I mean, it's your game whatever you want rules is written mm-hmm. there are no orcs that don't factually believe in gods yeah and god's rules is written demonstrably do exist right <laughs> so, yes that is correct yeah, yeah. Uh, and orcs can see the influence of these gods in everyday lives like bear claws on a tree a flock of crows flying away Sometimes even a strong wind. Sometimes they probably look into it a little too deeply. <laughs> they then have these signs translated by priests or shamans, possibly the eyes of Grumsh. And every tribe has their own particular superstitions. There's a list of them in Volos. They're all pretty good. Three ravens is a sign of good luck. It's lucky to spit where you're about to sleep. Uh, if you stomp your foot three times and utter Grumsh, it will ward off bad magic. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Uh, so strange. Superstition's so funny. <laughs> I like when it's included. There, there's a there's a realism that superstition adds to things for me. When I was a kid, uh, I used to have this. I used to have a a book. Uh, so, I think I got it for Christmas or something. And it was so random, but it was a dictionary of superstitions. And it was one of my favorite gifts. I read that thing through and through all the time. I was so fascinated by how absurd some of them were. And I wish I could remember more. It's been so long. Um, the ones that stood out to me were, were, uh, odd ones. I won't bother mentioning, but, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, such as, you know, certain, uh, intimate acts might cause you to go bald, uh, that kind of stuff. And, and, um, I can't I just confirm it, that one. Though. It was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just such a strange book, and I just remember being so fascinated by it. And I, I, every time superstitions come up in these in these sorts of things, I'm always like, "Oh, that's so fun to play with." I'm glad I'm not superstitious myself, but <laughs> it's because uh, uh, it really can be kind of uh, uh, life and um, what's the word Engr- engrossing. That's what I want to go with, but I don't, I don't feel like it's right. But you really just kind of take over your your life, right? Uh, yeah, in an almost OCD fashion, if you if you allow it, and uh, but it's always so fascinating to sort of have that part of your your creative narrative and everything. It's really really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you ready? You ready for the meat of this episode? I am so ready. Okay, the leader and patron deity of the orc people is Groomsh, also known as Old One Eye, also known as He Who Watches. 
Uh, I sent you in the Discord a photo, uh, the last photo I sent you. It is all of the um, the the Pantheon. So I don't know if you want to pull that up full size. It will be the image on launch day for orcs in October because it's awesome as hell. Sweet. And front and center with a big old orc beard and a big old orc mane of long hair <laughs> and one singular eye garbed in black spiky armor is Groomsh himself. Yeah. And at least in this one, he's got an eye that's that's blocked there. He's not a cyclops like in the, th- the yeah. 3E one. Yeah. Which yeah. makes much more sense. Yeah. yeah. He looks both badass and a little bit cheesy at the same time. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's that beard. I yeah, love it is it. the beard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got like a near Santa chin beard. <laughs> it's, a yeah. bit, it's almost too fluffy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, he is the ruler of the Pantheon. He pushes his children to increase their numbers so that they may kill elves, humans, and dwarves. That's that's his that's his thing. All right. He's a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah. He certainly is. He really knows how to hold a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> and as we touched on a little earlier, he will cause certain orcs to uh, pull out their eye and give them the ultimate touch of honor. Some are given magic, as in the eyes of Grumsh, and others are given ferocious strength, as in the war chiefs that we talked about. All of which, obviously, must pull out an eye in service, because he is, uh, I guess, vain, as well as um, always remember. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I honestly, from the origin story, I got that that vibe. Like, he tried to settle the mountains. It was already occupied. So he's like, well, I want to try the trees, and I want to try this, and, or the forest, and I want to try this, and try that. And there was nothing there. And then so, and then the gods started laughing at them, because gods are assholes, apparently. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why would they laugh at him? Fact. Poor guy can't find a home. And then he's like, fuck you. I'll just burn all them down. Like, it's just a big old, you know, dick swinging you know just pointless oh it's just so childish the whole thing's childish it's the first day of high school <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like he's got to assert himself now because he's being teased and like yeah. i there's a part of me that does empathize but like a origin story like that is just pure childishness from every direction from every every person involved it is like a high school scene it's so silly yeah so holds a grudge because he can't get over his, his time in high school. <laughs> the next in line to Grumsh's right, his proverbial right hand, is Ilnaval, the war maker. He is holding a big old two-handed bastard sword. Yeah, he is. And this gentleman is loyal AF to Grumsh. Mm. He is also the strategist, so he will create battle plans as well as um, forge new weapons and and machinations of war and siege tactics and orcs that show themselves to be a cut above uh, a little bit smarter will gain his favor they are groomed to become what are known as blades of ilnaval they're also a stat block they serve as captains sometimes war chiefs but very rarely because ilnaval is a loyal right hand and they are some of the fiercest opponents well you will meet on the battlefield they have an uncanny knowledge of when to move and when to strike Awesome. And the next on the list is standing to Groomsh's left. He is uh he's the big old boy in this photo. Is he the is he the god of beer drinking? Because he's got a big belly on him. <laughs> he is Bogtrue the Legbreaker. Ah, I've heard that name. I bet. So do you know where that name comes from? 
I don't recall. If I did know, I don't know. <laughs> so he is the most ruthless and powerful of this pantheon, even mightier than Grunsch. And he embodies the force to purely overwhelm their foes in battle. Mm. It is said that he was once surprised by the mightiest of Bahirs and was then trapped in its coils. Bogtru saw this as the ultimate test of his strength, and he laughed as the Bahir tried to squeeze him to death, and he broke every one of the Bahir's million legs. The shrieks of this Bahir having its leg broken are what the orcs now think is thunder. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yep. And a broken femur is now obviously the symbol of Bogtru, the leg breaker's followers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, so it's worth probably worth mentioning. Uh, Bahir is is uh, it's a, I mean, what somewhere down the line we'll cover it. But it is a great yep. serpentine monster with twelve legs and electrical breath. That's that literally from the Forgotten Realms wiki it, first line. Okay. <laughs> just I just quickly pulled it up just so I could say it. It's like, wow, you're you're good. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I'm not that good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it breathes lightning, but every right. time you hear thunder after it breathes lightning is the sound of Bogtra breaking one of its legs. Oh, that's that's a cool it's that's definitely another superstition mixed in, right? But it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and because of the ferocity of Bogtru, some of the orcs will enter battle a little recklessly, particularly on steeds. Mm. Um, aurochs, large creatures, bulls, and because these followers enter battle on these animals, the animal is then honored by Bogtru. And it is said to have a piece of Bogtru's spirit, and those animals are off the table. Mm. You do not eat the Aurox steed of a follower of Bogtru, oh. because it, it holds a little piece of this deity. Cool. That's really, really, really cool. I love that a lot. I'm having this like image in my head of like this big battle with an orc horde or tribe, and it's a thunderstorm, and every time lightning strikes and thunder hits after, like they just get re-emboldened, especially the followers of Bogtro. They're just like, yeah, yeah. Cavalry? yeah. yeah. Yeah, as everything lightning strikes, like it's like Bogtru's fighting a bear. bear. Yeah, he ripped another leg off, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> just getting pumped up. <laughs> For sure. I love that. Yeah. All right. Next in line, we have the young woman uh, coiled and ready to spring front and center of this pantheon, Luthic the Cave Mother. Is there any particular reason why you called her young? <laughs> um, I think just colloquial habit. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> it seems unfair to uh, to refer to a lithe goddess as an old woman. <laughs> she might strike you down. She will. Yeah, she absolutely will. <laughs> so she is predictably the wife of Grumsh, uh, and she is the main influence in orc tribe and society. She keeps the rage of the populace from exploding within itself. So she is the glue that holds society together. But followers of her invoke superstitions and primal magic. This is where we get shamans and druids and and that kind of thing. And Luthic will sometimes come down, take the form of a giant cave bear, uh, and because of which sometimes her followers will just straight up keep cave bears as pets. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) That's so cool. To mimic the cave mother, 
uh, followers of Luthic will grow their 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 nails their entire life to create these long claws that they then paint black. And if they're found worthy, Luthic will then make their claws as hard as iron. Ooh. Hags, ring a bell for anyone? Yeah. Uh, Annis Hag, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> their metal teeth and, and fingernails and stuff. Oh, that's so cool. That's that must be a really crazy endeavor for for uh, an or and is that like is that that's just orcs across the board? It's not that like you said. I guess I'm, I'm already going to answer my own question here. It's not male and female orcs that can do it. It's is just orcs. Um, it's just orcs. It's, the only- <laughs> I, it's implied that they're female, but yeah. it is not. Sure. They're not just female. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Really, really gnarly. And if you look at the artwork here. Uh, of of this pantheon, like her claws are ridiculous. Like, <laughs> yeah. At the same time, you'd have to have the hand strength to like really utilize them. Oh, it's a it's an unnerving concept for sure. Yeah. So the claw of Luthic is also a stat block in Volus Guide to Monsters. So we will dig into that a little bit later as well. Mm, cool. The followers themselves, though, do tend to spend their days away from battle, protecting the young. Um, Taking care of the camp while uh, the, the the quote unquote strongest orcs, uh, Ilnaval, Bogtru, and Groomsh's orcs are out raiding and pillaging. But they also served as crafters, engineers, and armorers. So um, the the blades of Ilnaval will dream up these siege weapons, and then the uh, claws of Luthic will then manufacture these siege weapons, and then the uh, the 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 warlords and the the followers of Groomsh will then use said siege weapon. So it's a really um uh like synergious relationship with yeah, these tribes. Right. Totally. Yeah, a lot of synergy there. Um that's neat. I love that. And is there's nothing to like emphasize per se that they are considered less in any regard based on the whole strength concept? No, the the Luthic, Bogtru, Ilnaval, and Groomsh, the followers of, are all considered to be the strongest oh, okay. of the tribe. And that <sighs> better than is not the right word, as we'll get mm-hmm. into okay. here. Sure. Well, I was just I was gonna say, like, it's just that there's your example of what I was sort of trying to get to earlier is that strength comes in different forms. You know, crafters, yeah. engineers, armorers, they they must, you know, they they provide a strength, even in, in a supportive role, perhaps. Yeah, and that that doesn't mean they can't fuck shit up. Like they right. will defend <laughs> the camp. Of course, yeah. But they're they're the social glue. Mm. Very neat. I like it. Next on our list is Yurtris the White Hand, and he is uh, on the far left of Groomsh, our right. He okay. is that a weird-looking motherfucker with the glowing yellow eyes. Mm-hmm. So normally, he is depicted as covered in boils and rot, and is repulsive except for his hands that are pure white. He has no mouth and cannot speak, so when he comes, he comes for his chosen in silence. Oof. It is because of this uh, perceived pestilence that the shamans of Yurtris dwell on the fringes of society, except they're as hardcore as the rest of the orcs. They will wear gloves made of pale elf skin to mimic their god's hands. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> Holy Jesus. <laughs> this gives them access to uncanny powers, specifically the use of necromancy. Oh. Uh... So they will claim bodies of fallen warriors, uh, and this is considered to be a great honor, uh, and they will send them to Groomsh. So we have oh, our okay. clerics here. So fallen orc warriors specifically. Nope. 
No, oh, no. fallen mighty warriors. Oh. It can be anybody as long as they were mighty. <laughs> okay. And they will send that body to Groomsh, or that soul to Groomsh. And they will sever the heads of any heroes or any mighty and preserve them using a special punch to remove the bridge of the nose so that their skull looks like they only have one eye socket. Oh, man. A special punch. <laughs> yeah. That is verbatim. Oh, man. That is, like, unnervingly my favorite so far. <laughs> yeah. it's That's crazy. Tell me there's more. <laughs> uh, well, not much. Okay. Um, sometimes they will give this treatment to a especially powerful enemy, which we kind of talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And there's a special sect of the White Hands uh, that are treated as prized cattle called the Nurtured Ones. These are considered to be the chosen of Yurtris, and they are traditionally the weakest in the camp or the risen dead. Um, and they rush towards enemy encampment like infested Terran to spread disease and infliction amongst the enemy ranks or camps. There is your obligatory Starcraft reference. Okay? <laughs> I was about to ask. <laughs> so they're, they're kind of like Zerglings and or infested Terran. <laughs> no, they're kind of like infested Terran. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Again, there's a stat block for these guys. They rush and they explode. Okay. Oh, oh okay. They rush and explode. Oh. Yep. Oh, man, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> this yeah, is the crazy. nurtured ones are my absolute favorite stop block. Yeah. Okay. Just with that added on top, this is this is definitely, again, unnervingly my favorite of, of the lot so far. That's so cool. Um, what a what a left field approach, but it just sort of fits and it makes sense. I love that you said they're treated as prized cattle. Yeah, they are like herded off to the side because they cannot be brought into the camp crazy that's so cool so and that is explicitly risen because you said some of them yeah okay but not all of them not all of them and so some of them are just the weaker uh of the orcs and so these 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 white hands they like they use their power to turn them into these essentially these nurtured ones okay even if they're alive or dead beforehand yeah, so the the way orc society works is that if you are rejected by or you're you're not seen as strong enough to fight for Groomsh, Ilnaval, Bagtru, or Luthic, you are that offered up to Yurtris. Mm-hmm. And then Yurtris, if you're kind of not strong enough or don't have the magical prowess to become a white hand, you become one of these nurtured ones, which are essentially infected with this pestilence. Right. That's so And if crazy. you are not seen as strong enough to be <laughs> An explosive <laughs> biological weapon. Oh no. You are given to the cult of Shargas. <laughs> and Shargas is also known as the Night Lord. Okay. It is the god of darkness and unknown, and he is the ferocious looking being on the far right with the weird purple hands. <laughs> and they, because of his his uh his his D uh domain. They live as close to darkness and as far from the other orc tribes as they possibly can. They are secretive and murderous, and other orcs view all of his followers, all of the the cult of Shargas, to be depraved or twisted. Okay. But they accept them? Reluctantly. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Oh, man. So these uh, these younglings who are rejected by Yurtris that are are taken up by the cult of Shargas, uh, they have two options. They are either torn to shreds and devoured or brought into the cult. 
So if you are brought into the cult, uh, you have a couple of things that you could be. You could be a spy. You could be an assassin. Uh, you could return to the folds of ordinary orcs to act as an embedded spy. And then as an embedded spy, you then call the weakest links to keep the horde strong. So if you're going into battle and an orc refuses to go into battle, you then murder that orc. Oh, sorry. I, I, in, ca- in case it was unclear, it was it was slightly unclear to me until you finished that. It sounded like you said call. You meant call. You're like, you're they're culling. Oh, sorry. We f- we found another chivalrous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're, you're, they're literally. That's just my East Coast accent. There, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, what they're doing there is they're calling. Yeah, they are calling the tribe. They're they're calling the tribe. The weaker parts of the tribe. <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Who knew? October would make us go more Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> We should have waited for the troll suite. Uh, <laughs> What's that there? Is that a bridge troll, is it? <laughs> There's your deep Canadian cut for the week, listeners. Three dead trolls in a baggie. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, so Sorry, they go, go back on. and they, they, they cull the tribe of the weakest links. Uh, this, this practice is accepted reluctantly, uh, but it is considered taboo to speak about or even to stop and watch. And if not in a present battle, they can sometimes be called upon by the war chief to assassinate targets. Uh, this is frowned upon because Groomsh hates indirectness. So there is, they live with the tribe, but the tribe kind of shuns them without actively shunning them. And if a war chief uh. calls upon a, a, um, I think they're called red hands of, of Shargas, the, the specific stat block, uh, mm. they are, um, they're, they are kind of looked down upon as a war chief because they could not get this done through brute force. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing down what you're picking up now. Okay. Yeah. So mechanically, the, the Shargas are rogues. Right. The uh, Yurtris are clerics. Uh, Luthic is druids. Uh, Bogtru are... Uh, barbarians? Barbarians and cavaliers. Oh, okay. Uh, Ilnavals are uh, fighters and groomshes, kind of everyone else. Really, really neat. I love the the reluctant acceptance of this of these uh, these Shargas um, acolytes, if you will. <laughs> I fell in love with this creature, uh, the Shargas specifically. Even the stat block is awesome. I'm so excited mm. to get to that stuff. Yeah, really, really neat because it's so it's so un orc culture like in that in that stereotype. Uh, they accept them, but they you know rather dislike them i suppose <laughs> because they don't follow the tenets of groomsh but but even groomsh frowns upon them this character yeah. yeah but he he also accepts this this shargas into the pantheon he must right yeah and uh, i mean shargas has got to be related to luthic like it's right. got to be her brother yeah shargas yeah, yeah. is just his brother-in-law that he's got to be <laughs> Yeah, he's like, all right, well, we'll bring him along, I guess. <laughs> all right, bring the creepy goth kid and we can do this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they so are good. useful and they are respected as being useful because mm-hmm. they keep the orc tribe strong from within. Mm. You know, being one of these embedded spies is one of the highest honors because it, mm. A, shows that you have grown up to be a strong and uh, and mighty orc mm. and that you can pass for normal. Right. And you have this extra honor of, of you know, being cast away 
coming back stronger than ever and right. murdering those who cast you away. Like, yeah. that is such a huge honor in Orc in you, society. Yeah, if you hit that point, you, you've gone from the lowest, might as well have been murdered, and but you've grown to something that is so much more well-respected and, and appropriate for this culture. Yeah. Um, cr- that's circle. really cool. Really, 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 really cool. In such a brutal environment. Unbelievably brutal, especially given, especially given the Yurtris stuff. Like that, y- your alternative is grow to be a badass or grow to be a living bomb. <laughs> like, what yeah, the, what and the I mean, fuck? Th- th- again, yeah. those those spies aren't all of the the Sharkas. They're just the mm. the mightiest, of right? Them. Like, yeah. it's just a huge honor, hell of a thing. Yeah, really. Fuck, this is so much cooler than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, like imagine you weren't born good enough to be a dirty bomb, and you became like <laughs> killer of orcs. Unbelievable! Oh, so cool! Yeah, you can see why this is six pages now. Like it's yeah. all too good to cut. Right? Seriously, absolutely. Uh, okay, we are done with orc lore. Um, that's it. That's it. There's no more. No. No. There's 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 pages and hours more. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll be covering tidbits more anyway along the way. So we are. Yeah. Uh, that's super cool. We do have one sweet honorable mention here. Uh, King Obuld the Seventeenth. <laughs> wait, chief wait, of the many wait, arrows tribe. Tell, tell me, was the pause for pronouncing Obuld or double checking what the Roman numerals you put in here were? <laughs> It was both. <laughs> there, were, there were two pauses. There was a double pause? <laughs> double pause? Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely more the double checking the Roman numerals. Because I was going to say 17th, and then I'm like, no, maybe you should make sure. Oh Do God. the math. <laughs> and then in my head, it was like, what the fuck does X mean again? How many is that? Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was good. Sorry, and his his uh, sorry his secondary name was. <laughs> uh, he is the chief of the Many Arrows tribe. This is probably okay. the most famous tribe in the Forgotten Realms. Okay, specifically because he maintained a long time peace with the dwarves of Mithril Hall, and this uh, this is seen through Adventure Pass as well as through some of the um, uh, the Dritz storylines. Like they come up quite oh, a bit. Okay, gotcha. He maintained a peace. Maintained, yep. Mm. And where does that stand in? Uh, the culture uh, as honorable, maintaining a peace. It kind of doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, He's famous for it, but not necessarily honorably uh, f- known for it. Is it. I think his lineage, I think he was the last King Obold. Um, okay. And we went through 16 iterations before him. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, okay. he was. Uh, it was. It was a nepotistic uh, tribe because he, they kept interbreeding, so they were the strongest, oh, um, strongest okay. members of the tribe. Because the you know he kept right. the 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 Obulds kept breeding until they had the strongest sons. Oh, cool. Okay, or daughters, but at least sixteen sons. Classic patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gross. Move yeah. on. Moving on. <laughs> All right. We have Hard one. We, we, we got one thing that I labeled here under fun fact. I don't know how fun it is, but if you want to play an orc according to the 5e rules, 
uh, orc PC information can be found in Vol's Guide to Monsters 87 to 88. It is pretty basic. You've got your flaws, your bonds, all that stuff. Though there is one line that's um, that's kind of challenging. It, uh, it is, it's possible that an orc, if raised outside of its culture, could develop a limited capacity for empathy, love, and compassion. Okay. There is a lot to unpack there, and we're not going to do it right now. <laughs> no, but I not. assure you, we are going to unpack that specific line at some point in this suite. The only, the only thing I will say, yeah, the only thing I will say is that, and it, I can't remember if it came up in Evans or not. It, it likely had, because it's been a thought in my mind, ever since my first character I ever created for your first campaign. Um, and it was in regards to, uh, I think it's in the half-orc uh, racial description in that they lean towards evil alignment because of a lingering uh, influence from Grumsh themselves that's hard to escape. Uh, even on a, like, I guess they don't explicitly say this, but a genetic level, essentially, or, or some such, or biological, or however you want to put it. And uh, that would sort of fall in line with that exact phrase, that phrasing of that quote you've given. Um, yeah, it is. It is. It does. You're still right. It's a lot to unpack, uh, and we will we will cover that uh, down down the line here. Um, but uh, that, yeah, that just stood out again. I can't remember if it was mentioned. Edens. I I would imagine it maybe it was. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a very interesting take. Yeah, there are some biological predispositions in here that we as a as a show do not agree with. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we as a show do agree on one thing all the time, and that is how much I need a drink after that. Oh boy. I need a I need a I need a beverage to just to sort of just like you know really let all that sink in. <laughs> so <laughs> you know? fun facts, Freeman. Yes. Uh, because these. we decided to shake up the uh the episode format, mm-hmm. I decided to shake up what I'm drinking. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. What? Uh, no, actually, the store was all sold out of blackmail, and I was too tired to walk to another <laughs> store. Uh, I am drinking Strange Fellows Guardian because I am going to guard you through this suite. That is, uh, it's got a dragon on it. You're gonna guard me through this suite. Is that literally your best segue? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what I got, man. That's that was the worst. that was exhausting. That was exhausting, man. <laughs> We're not even done yet. There's still another page. <laughs> oh, man. He did a terrible job. <laughs> oh, it was great up until now. It was great up until now. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, at least it's another Strange Fellows beer. <laughs> I give yeah, you that. I made sure it was a Strange Fellows beer. I, 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 I almost bought a boombox, but um, it, 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 it didn't feel right. I was fucking choked that they were out of blackmail. They've never been out of blackmail. Well, who's out of blackmail? That's crazy. Right? Um. Well, at least you're drinking Strange Fellows. Um, what do we have for cultural lore? Oh, I'm, 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 in, I'm curious about this for sure. Yeah. So we have a little bit. It's, it's not a lot okay. um, because there's just not a lot out there. Mm-hmm. The first little bit is that the word orc mm-hmm. comes from Latin orcus, meaning goblin, specter, or devil. Oh, Okay. So we are not going to touch that any further because that will have its own very special episode okay. called Orcus. Oh, okay, sweet. Okay. <laughs> uh, this, so the word uh, orc 
or a variation of was probably first used in Beowulf as Orkneas, uh, which is roughly translated to evil spirits, though its meaning is very uncertain. It could mean corpse, zombie, white, dwargar in this context. It could really mean any of those things. However, Ork, uh, with a K-E, is found in 1656 Don Quixote, mm. uh, presumably to mean ogre. All right, well, what's, uh, what's Tolkien get to say about orcs? So, first we need to uh, uh, cross this bridge that um, D&D orcs are definitively based on Tolkien's orcs. There is no ifs, right. ands, or buts about it, and he did change them. So, to- mm-hmm. Tolkien's orcs are more... Essentially, they're just more humanoid goblins. They're larger. They're um, they have less pronounced features, mm-hmm. but they are still brutish, aggressive, ugly, and malevolent. In in Tolkien's own words. Okay. However, he walks back a little bit of the um, aggressive uh, monolithicness of the race uh, in some of his letters that were never actually. Well, maybe they may have been published, but in some of his letters later on, they were. Okay. It wasn't in any of the stories. Right. Uh, as far as I remember, and as far as any of the references I've been able to come across. So, Token then walks back that they have this sense of morality, and they uh, started out as a corrupted version of elves. Right. Yeah. So, sometimes he used the plural orqui mm-hmm. um, in his earlier work, but it was eventually corrected down the line, which kind of sucks, because in his world, the world orc comes from the elvish ruku, meaning fear, but Orqui was a bastardization of Ruku, and Orc is a bastardization of Orc. So we never, in modern publishing, we never see Orqui, which is O-R-U-Q-I. We only see Orc. So we never see that evolution of the Elvish word Ruku. Uh, so we're going to call it there on Token for yeah, today. Yeah, uh, Fuck we will. He's dead I, I, I do, you know, I do a really good <laughs> deep dive in Urog, which is coming up later oh, in this okay. week. okay, sweet. Awesome. I wanted to touch on them in pop culture, but uh, honestly, they're kind of just fucking everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Warhammer, we touched on. They're the main shaft in Warcraft. Uh, They do tend to have the same um, uh, components of the the Tolkienian or the the D&D orcs, that they are a swarm army. They are shaft units. Uh, they are very fragile, but they hit pretty hard. Um, mm. Glass cannons, I guess, is the best way to put that. Sure. And in culture, at least in like the miniature world and the RPG culture, orcs are very, very popular. Yeah. Almost everybody I follow who plays 40K plays orcs. Crazy. So they just they just kind of fucking appear everywhere because they are just this nameless, yeah. faceless fantasy army. They are the, the Cobra Vipers, the Stormtroopers of D&D and, and fantasy, period, at this point. Yeah. So. Cool. I, I have one little tiny, stupid, uh, but kind of fun fact that uh, anyone listening who's familiar with Warcraft, in particular World of Warcraft, might already know this. Uh, but you you might have a laugh about this. Uh, there was a uh, uh, a I don't know if it was a mistake per se, but uh, there was a common trend in World of Warcraft. If you you choose the Horde or you choose the Alliance when you start, right? And among the Horde is, of course, orcs. They're sort of the, you know the the racial leaders of the Horde, or at least the origin uh, of the Horde. Uh, mixing, you know, and they bring in trolls and I think there's a whole history and lore behind them. But uh, aesthetically, um, they had what you know is in that game. Uh, uh, there's a lot of aesthetic approaches to what you're wearing and stuff like that. And how can you how can you uh, have the, an aesthetic look in what way? They added like 
things like transmogrification and stuff to really uh, allow you to use old gear you found um, and pretend uh, your new gear looks like that and sort of thing. Anyway, um, oh, okay. yeah. So it's like you can kind of you can kind of fashion yourself, right? And um, but orcs. That's why games shouldn't last thirty years. <laughs> orcs for a very long time. Any kind of shoulder armor piece you put on them were automatically like massive, like outrageously large. Um, like three times the size you would think they should be. And that's been from the beginning of the game. And they had this major update in whatever expansion. I can't remember at this point. I, it's been a while since I've been a proper player. I've tried each expansion. I'm probably done by now. But um, they actually put this major update in and they reduced the size. And there was like mass public outcry. <laughs> They were like, what the fuck oh, yeah. did you do to my fucking orc shoulders? <laughs> like, like, people lost their shit. It was so fucking funny. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, oh man, it was, it was so, it was great. It was absolutely great. And, uh, and they are, they, and even I was, I never really played an orc, but I had friends that played them for years and years and years. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Put the, big ones back on they're like these hunched over weird you know kind of like almost hunchbacked like uh, uh, creatures in the game and they had these massive shoulder pads and all of a sudden they were just like shrunk down and was like nope not having it no give me give me my fashion back i want the large ones and they they did it they were like okay sorry our bad (laughs) we thought it would look better we upgraded the game and we we fixed the scaling but apparently our fix was not a fix it was a it was a break (laughs) according to the public and i just loved it i loved that <laughs> that's so funny so there's your there's your pop culture reference to orcs for freeman <laughs> totally totally relevant what uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's great that is a fantastic anecdote i don't mm. fully understand it <laughs> we as a company do not support blizzard in any way <laughs> Uh, especially currently. Oh, not currently at all. Fuck them. <laughs> I'm over it. But they are not handling what's happening here well. Uh, so yeah, bring back the shoulder pads. Um, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should you. <laughs> uh, well, um, I don't want to ask anybody for stories because we haven't done anything yet. Uh, so if you want to follow along and you want to see a photo of that orc pantheon or maybe some of these sweet, uh, sweet shoulder pad memes, you can find us at Twitter or Facebook at EncounterPod. You can find us on Instagram at Encounter.pod. You can check out some of those back episodes we referenced specifically Etten's at EncounterThis.ca or we'll link it in the show notes, uh, in the description of your podcatcher of choice. If, um, I feel bad asking for money on this one. This this is not this is not our best work. But uh, if no, as if you a liked whole, it, and as a whole, it's our best. It's one of our best works. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, if you want, uh, if you want uh, that that troll episode, uh, and you want to learn more about that sweet sweet Canadian three dead trolls in a baggie <laughs> reference, uh, and you want to recommend a troll suite, you can do that for ten dollars a month at patreon.com backslash encounter this. Uh, $5 a month will get you a handwritten thank you letter and access to the show notes so you can see the uh, the notes that we used to produce this. And by we, I mean me used to produce this. And they are, as always, a fucking mess. Uh, $1 a month even will get you access to a private Discord so you can, uh, you can coax me into a voice chat and sh- yell at me for not liking Peter Jackson. 
<laughs> oh, so now you can add them. <laughs> yeah, if you pay for it, yeah. <laughs> Gotta have standards. That's fair. Or if you want to talk about Warhammer 40K or StarCraft or talk to Freeman about WoW, um, yeah, all, all that. Discord, we're, we're there. We're there all the time. Uh, he apparently doesn't want to talk about WoW, so, you know, oh, a dollar a month, you could piss much. him off at least uh, once a day. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, but I will happily jump into a voice chat and discuss the uh, the merits of Token and uh, demerits of Token <laughs> with, with anybody who wants to pay for it. Um, I don't recommend uh, uh, supporting us on Patreon specifically for um, spite <laughs> or uh, vengeance, but if that's your bag, I'm not going to stop you. Hey, by all uh, means. Yeah, and if you could rate and review positively on your platform of choice, that would really help us out, and it helps new listeners find us, and we have new listeners finding us every day, which is crazy. We're, we're, we're growing here at, uh, at Encounter This which is uh, wild and lovely, and we are so, so grateful to you who want to keep listening to our bullshit, because that's... I mean, this wasn't our bullshit, because there's no uh, real opinions in here other than my opinion on Token and Jackson. Um, <laughs> which is an excerpt. <laughs> which will be a Patreon-exclusive excerpt. Absolutely. Uh, that was a rant and so a half. This was, this, this was mostly just fact, so, I mean, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, yeah. So this is... a. Uh, this is this is a fact episode according to D and D Dungeons and Dragons. And if you want to hear more, you can uh, subscribe. And next week we will be at you with more Orktober. I can't wait. Is that your Batman voice? <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> no, that was some, pretty good. It's uh, it's uh, what's his face? Christian Bale's Batman voice. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So your Batman is separate than Christian Bale's Batman. No, I'm just doing Christian Bale's Batman. It's not, my, it's not mine. I'm not claiming ownership. Got That's it. a copyright infringement, dude. Come on. You cannot copyright a style of talking. We're, we're, we're professionals here. <laughs> <laughs>